Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, let's hop right into our message this morning. Uh, you can either follow along in your bulletin, there's notes there, or you can download our app. Download uh, the Portico app and you can follow along. All the notes and all the information is in there. We're in a month-long series call, uh, called Breakthrough, and Pastor Doug started us off last week looking, uh, when we had our all-campus broadcast, looking at what it means to pray. Have you ever tried to picture how God manages to hear all the prayers that are offered up to heaven? Like, have you, have you ever tried to envision God sitting up in heaven, listening to prayers? Like, is he, is he just constantly listening, and is, the, is he able to multitask, and he can hear 15, 1,600 different prayers coming in at once? Or, or do, you, do you picture it where it kind of, like, feeds onto a list, and he just, like, it's kind of like at the new McDonald's, the way, you know how when you order, you've got your number at McDonald's there and the numbers just keep popping off. Like maybe, maybe that's what our prayers are like. And he hears, well, he heard, he heard Ed's prayer and then he heard Christine's prayer and then he heard Jared's prayer and Ed's name goes off. Christine's name goes off. I, I don't know. Have you, have you ever, is, is that just me? No, you've, of course you, you've, you've pictured, uh, if you've ever prayed a prayer, I'm sure you've wondered, how did God hear that? Or did God, did God hear that? I, and I, I've always, I've always wondered about this. What happens when we pray conflicting prayers? Like I remember I was at a church one time and they were doing this, they were doing this outreach. And we were, we, it was going to be like an outdoor thing and there was going to be people, there was bouncy castles and carnival games and food and all that. And they gathered everybody on the front lawn and there was like thunderclouds in the, in, the, in the background. And we began to pray and just speak in the name of Jesus. Clouds, you go away because we don't need the rain because you want to reach people. And I was thinking... What about the farmer who is desperate for that rain, who is sitting right under those rain clouds saying, Lord, we have needed this rain for weeks and weeks, and Lord, send your rain right now. What does God do? Does, does he pick favorites, or does he go, you know, you spoke the right kind of prayer, so you get the blessing, and you don't, sorry. Like, or or what, about, what about kids? Kids, have you ever prayed that your teacher gets sick so you get a supply teacher? I know that you have. I know that. Look, you're laughing because you've been like, you're like 100%, I hate my teacher. And I love it when there's a supply teacher there because we don't have to, we watch movies and we don't do anything. And so you're praying illness on somebody else who is obviously, they, were, they don't really want that illness and they're playing, Lord, just keep me healthy. Yes, the Audrey admits it. We pray. What, is, what does God do when there's conflicting prayers? And how is God supposed to hear everything and respond to everything in the exact way that we ask it? Well, last week when, when, when Pastor Doug opened this conversation, he was basically reminding us that, that God really does want us to pray, and it, it's his desire to get, to get close to us. And w- one of the things that he reinforced with us is that it, it's not our language that actually makes our prayers better or, or worse. And in fact, when we go on with elaborate long prayers with words that we would think would sound more holy or more or more right, he's, there, was, there was a scripture that he read that that actually makes us sound like the people that don't know God when we're trying to go on and on and make our case set uh, in, in front of God. God just wants us to set aside parts of our lives and engage in regular back and forth ongoing conversation with him. So that brings us to today's conversation with who's listening? 
Who is the God that is listening to us when we pray? We, we know it's, it's, it's the Lord, it's, it's, it's Jehovah, it's God. We, we all have a, a name that we would understand who God is. But what kind of God is really listening to us? Because I'm going to guarantee that if you've prayed for something, and if you've prayed for many things over the course of your life, there's been times when, when God, whomever he is, did not answer that prayer. So what kind of God is listening to you? Did, does, does that mean that God was up there and he forgot about you? Or, or does that mean that maybe he just, he just missed it? Your, your name wasn't logged on that McDonald's board? Or, or was he disinterested in your prayer? Did you, we learned last week that it, it probably isn't that we prayed the wrong way. It's not that there's a magic word that we have to unlock. So this morning we're going to go through some assumptions that we make about prayer and expectations that we should have around prayer and so that we can help to shape our, our prayer life. And over, over the course of these weeks, we're going to be going in and out of some of the most key uh, texts that we see in the Bible that are about prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. We're going to look at how Paul taught us to pray. We're going to go in and out of the Psalms looking at what the, what the great teachers of the Bible, how they instructed us to pray. So first off, we're going to challenge the wrong assumptions that you and I make about prayer. So let's, what, let's talk through that word assumption. You could be sitting in a church service like this, and you could be fairly convinced that you don't make any assumptions about, about God or, 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 or about prayer. You're just, you're just basing fact on the evidence that you observe. So the question would be, what, it, what could happen or would it be possible that maybe you've observed something and somebody else has observed something different and you've landed on a different understanding? Or, or what if God has a different perspective than the perspective that you have? When I was in my 20s, I served with Peel Police for, for five years. And do you know what the, the least reliable kind of evidence that you can get is? You know what the least, the least credible evidence that can be brought forward is? Do you know what that is? Eyewitness account. The, the, the one kind of evidence that we go, ah, I'm not 100% sure that I can, I can buy into that, is an eyewitness account. And there's a number of reasons for that. Because we all, we all have biases. We all have a perspective from where we were viewing it. We all have our own kind of lens which we, with which we view the world. And we all have a memory that may or may not work to, <laughs> at its optimum, shall we, shall we say. So when, so when somebody says, here's what I saw happen 100%, it's uncanny how many other times somebody would see the exact same event happen, but it was a different gender of a person who was involved. It was a different ethnicity of a person who was involved. It was a different height of person who was involved. They were, they were wearing a different kind of clothing. It might have happened at a different kind of day. And both people will be so convinced that they have truth. But we'll say, well, you can't possibly both have truth because you're offering a perspective, but you may be missing something. Here's a quick visual example to, to demonstrate how you, can, how you can actually see truth, but have a completely different perspective. Is that a six or is that a nine? The, the person standing on the, on the right-hand side is clear. They're looking at it. That's a nine. I know it. I can see it. I'm going to go and tell someone there's a nine on the floor. The person on the other side sees the six. We can go to the next little, next little cartoon, which shows the exact same thing. Is that an N or is that, or is that a, a U? And you can actually go through a lot of different examples. And do you know who the only one who knows what that was intended to be is? The creator. The one who wrote it, the one who designed it, he or she is the only individual who would know what that was actually designed to be. The person who enters the story at a secondary 
time, or, or the person who adds themselves in and comes out of perspective, all they're able to do is offer their perspective, but they may not have truth. Is it possible that you have made an assumption on who God is and how we pray, and you've landed on a bad conclusion because you're not the creator? You're the secondary person into the story. So let's challenge a few assumptions that we may be making on prayer. The first assumption is this, is that, is that we may assume that God should always say yes, that whatever we pray, God will absolutely say, say yes. And Pastor Doug referenced this last week as well. He said some of us would treat prayer like the magic genie. God, I want this, this, and this. Magic genie, God, make it happen. I prayed it, so it should be done. And, there, and there's this assumption that we land on that God doesn't answer all prayers because I prayed and this didn't happen. Well, what if God did answer your prayer, but his answer was no? He said, he said I, I would like this. God, please make it happen. And he said, I heard your prayer. I received that. And my answer is no. Or maybe his answer is, I heard that. I received the prayer. And the answer is not yet. It's not the right time. Maybe he heard it. And he said, I heard that. I received that. And the answer is not in the way that you think. God answered your prayer. He didn't answer in the way that you thought he might. And if you go through the case, if you go through the course of the Bible, you will see all kinds of instances where this was the case. Remember Abraham and Lot, they separated and Abraham went off to more of a desert place and Lot went over this lush, beautiful place and they established some cities and he joined the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah where, his, where, where, where he lived and his family grew. And, and Abraham prayed, God, you have to spare those cities. My family lives there. God, you don't want to destroy those cities. And God said, no. <laughs> and then Abraham said, well, well, what if I can find 50 righteous people living there? And God said, okay, go find 50 righteous people. I, I couldn't find it. And, and you went through 50, 45, 40, 40, 40, 35. And they went down and they could not find people. And God's answer was no. You're praying to spare those cities. And my answer is no. Let's go to the story of Moses. Moses prayed that God would free the people from Egypt and he would, and he would, he would deliver them from being captive and bring them out into the promised land. And God said, yeah, I'm going to bring you to the promised land. But there was some unfaithful, there was some disbelief from some, of the, from some of the spies that went and spied out the land. And he said, I'm absolutely going to bring you to the promised land. But how long was it going to be before he's going to answer that prayer? Forty years. <laughs> An entire generation was going to have to pass away before God was going to answer this prayer. So he said, yes, I hear the prayer. Yes, I will bring you to the promised land. The answer is not yet. I remember when, when, when Jesus and the, and the disciples were, were praying just before he was arrested and they knew that, that Jesus was supposed to bring the kingdom of God into, into being, into their world, into their present reality. And as Jesus is being arrested, Peter goes, I can't allow Jesus to be arrested because the kingdom isn't going to be brought away. So he pulls out his sword and he slashes the guy and he cuts off his ear and there's probably blood gushing everywhere. And, and Jesus goes, hold on, Peter this isn't the way that the kingdom's going to be brought. I'm going to bring the kingdom. The kingdom we've all been expecting and talking about, it's going to come, but it's not this way. No, not yet, not this way. Do you believe in a God that has the right to say no to something that you would ask for? <laughs> or do you believe in a God that should just bow to every demand that you would make? You see, there, there, there is some bad theology, or, or I would say some incomplete theology, where we look at a few specific scriptures, and we don't take the entire context of the Bible, but we, we say anything that we would ask in his name, he's going to give it to us. It's an incomplete theology, and we're going to build the backstory of that. 
But yes, it's in the scripture, but you need to understand the scripture in the full context of scripture. And sometimes when we ask for something that is from our perspective, God may say no, God may say not yet, and God may say not this way. Because without going, without going too deep into the theology of this morning. We can, this is something I want you to dig into in your small groups or maybe we'll get together and you say, I didn't really fully understand that. Let's go out for coffee. And I'll say, sure, you're buying coffee for me. I will go and uh, have a discussion about theology for sure. But if you are praying for something and you're gonna speak it in Jesus' name, right? Like we're taught to, anything we, you ask for in my name, I'll give it to you. If you're gonna speak for it in Jesus' name, hadn't you better be speaking the right things in Jesus' name? Hadn't you better be representing him right? Have you ever been tasked with representing your company or your boss at a meeting? Anybody? Like, like you've gone to a meeting and you're the representative of, of your boss, of your company, and you've had to go to that meeting. So what would happen if you spoke up and asked for something and said yes to something that your company or your boss had no interest in? Like, what if you went to a sales meeting of a 3D printer and you said, yes, our dental office needs five of those 3D printers. Absolutely, let's buy those right now. Why? Because I like 3D printers and that would be really cool. I could like print all kinds of things. And, and then you get back and the business manager and the head dentist goes, what on earth did you buy five 3D printers for? We don't need any 3D printers. We're a dental office. You weren't speaking on behalf of the dental office. You were speaking on behalf of what you wanted. We pray for things in the name of Jesus, but they're really in the name of Rick. <laughs> Jesus, can you do this for me? Because this is what I really want. And we have, we have this relationship that we can go to our father. He's a good, good father and ask for whatever we want. But he has the right to say no. <laughs> say, can I, can I give you a different perspective on this? So we make this assumption that God will always say yes. Another assumption we make is that I know what's best for me all the time. I, I, I will always have the right perspective. And, and God sees the bigger picture unfolding. And some of the things we pray for may not be necessarily part of what needs to unfold. Here's what Isaiah wrote as he was, he was prophesying in Isaiah 55 and 8. He said, my thoughts, this is, this is God speaking because he's, he's speaking on behalf of God. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And our prayers are often centered around the good things that we feel that we deserve. We go, God, I deserve health. I deserve comfort. I deserve financial stability. I, I deserve all this. So God, will you give this to me? God, God, I deserve this job. I deserve life to go well. So make my path smooth. So we begin to pray this thing. And actually, I'm quite pleased that God doesn't give me everything that I deserve. Because you know that based on my life, I, I don't deserve to go to heaven. Based on your life, I'm not going to be judgy here, but you don't deserve to go to heaven. <laughs> because we know, we know that based on the lives of humanity, we haven't earned perfection because we're not perfect people. So you know what we deserve to be? We actually deserve to be punished. We actually deserve separation from God. And we let God down all the time. But, but because God doesn't look at, hey, what do you deserve? I'm going to give you what you need and what you need is a savior. What you deserve is separation from God, but what you need is a savior. I'm gonna give you what you need, not what you deserve. But, but we're so focused on what we want in our life that we forget some of the negative things that, that we 
deserve. Here's what David wrote in Psalm 103, verses 10 and 12. He wrote, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And as far as the east is from the rest, so infinity, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So God removes everything that we would deserve and instead gives us what we need. Do you buy warranties on things? That, who, who buys the extended warranty? Apple Care, you buy like the five-year warranty. and Yeah, you get all these things because you're like, I'm nervous that this thing is going to break. So, so I, I'm, I'm going to buy the, I'm going to pay the extra money so just for the peace of mind that I will get so I will get what I feel like I need and I won't miss out on my phone or my TV or whatever, something like that. A few years back, I bought this treadmill and they gave me the basic one-year Warranty, and they said, do you want to buy the extended three-year warranty? And I said, is it going to break within three years? Because I'm not going to buy your, your treadmill if it's going to break within three years. And they said, no, sir, it's not supposed to break within three years, but you just may want to buy that. I'm like, so I'm uncertain why you're only giving me one year if you think it's going to extend the, to the three. And they just kind of, well, do you want to? No, I don't want to buy your three-year warranty. So anyway, I bought it. It was Black Friday. It was a uh, Black Friday sales and purchased it, got it home. Follow the next year on December the 1st or 2nd, this treadmill breaks down. So one year and eight days, this treadmill breaks down. Now, interesting story. I bought this, I bought this treadmill, but it wasn't delivered to my house until January the 1st. So I go marching right into the, I go, or like till the first week of January. So I go marching into the, into the company and, and, and I say, um, so I purchased this treadmill on whatever Black Friday was, November 20-something, and, and it's now the beginning of December, and you gave me a one-year warranty. I chose not to get the three-year warranty, but will you still honor this? And they said, no, sir, you bought that, and you, I, we remember you. You were the ornery one that said, I don't want this. Is this going to break within three years? So they're, they're able to throw it in my face, and I'm like, ah, what I deserved was to be turned away. And they looked at me, and they said, but we see your delivery date wasn't until January. We have every right to turn you away, but we're going to make space for you, and we're going we're to come, and we're going we're to replace uh, the computer on this treadmill. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments where I was eating my words, and I was so thankful that they didn't, they didn't punitively give me what was technically what I deserved, but they treated me with what I needed in that moment. What I needed was a treadmill because I really have a lot of energy and I have to run all the time and it snows and gets icy and I, I'm like a rabbit. So I needed that. <laughs> We're a society that is so caught up in our rights that we lack the trust from people around us or even from God that, that we'll get what we need. We, we like, I deserve my 15-minute break and I deserve an hour lunch break and, and, and so please, like, you're like, don't you dare call me in to stay an hour later or, because we, we, we have to fight for everything that we feel like we deserve. We have to fight for our voice to be heard or our opinion to be represented because we don't trust that our needs will be taken care of any other way. And we apply this understanding to our relationship with God and go, God, just give me the stuff that I, that I, I can get from you. And God goes, no, would you just trust me that I would give you what you need? Not necessarily what you deserve. If you're a parent in the room, don't you love the parent this way? Ask Hope. We are extremely strict parents. She will confirm it with you. <laughs> we, have, we have strict rules. We're, 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 we're to the T all the time. But I love moments. I love it when I can step in and say, here's what you did. Here's the consequence that you deserve. But you're not getting that. 
because sometimes, because I want to be a parent that is, has the heart of my father, of our father God. I, I, I want to parent that way and go, here's, here's my expectations, here's the consequence you deserve. And sometimes I want to give you not what you deserve, but just what you need in this moment. And what you need is forgiveness. And what you need is just openness to try it again. That's the kind of God that we serve, that as long as we trust him, he will care for us. And I, here's what David wrote in Psalm 27, 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, and David trusted that even though God, listen, God had not been faithful to David at this time. David, David had honored the king Saul in his court and not tried to, and not tried to take his kingdom, even though all of the people of the nation were saying, we'd rather have David king than we would have Saul king. And so Saul tried to have David killed even though he hadn't done anything wrong. So David runs away and he's out in the wilderness. And so he's being, he's being spoken against. His reputation's taking a hit. He's done nothing wrong. And then he writes this psalm. I remain confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord, that I will get what I need even though I'm not really getting what I deserve right now. Let me ask you this. Do you pray this way? Do you pray this way? Say, Lord, thank you how good you are. Lord, I just want to see your kingdom come on this earth. I think a lot of our prayers are, Lord, this hurts. Lord, I need this. Lord, I want this to happen. So many of our, so many of our prayers are based on the things that we want to represent to God saying, I want this, as opposed to saying, God, you are just so good. We took time this morning in our, in our, in our prayer time, and thanks uh, to Chris and our elder team for leading that out to just to say, Lord, I want to praise you for the good things that you've given us. And Lord, I don't, I don't want to spend time praying for me. I want to spend time praying for your kingdom to come in our community. And here's David in the midst of difficulty saying, God, thank you that I will see your goodness. And I love how it says, in the land of the living. He's not even talking about when he gets to heaven. He's saying, I will see your goodness here. So as he was being spoken of as a murderer and a traitor and living in the wilderness, he says, God, I will see your goodness. Can't we learn to pray that way? That the assumption we make is that we know what's best for us. But the way we are designed to pray was that, God, I trust that you're going to give me what I need and what's best for me. Last assumption is that God is primarily concerned with my present happiness. And this one ties in here. We are, we are so preoccupied with our lives on earth that we forget that God's perspective is so much different than our perspective is. We forget that that, that God isn't as concerned with our lives and our present happiness right now. Francis Chan does this, does this teaching. And I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen this. Francis Chan is a teaching down in California. And he holds up a rope like this. And it extends, let's pretend that this rope is eternity. And it extends all the way over here. It goes way off stage. You don't even see it. It's way over. There's rope that goes over there. And there's rope that goes off stage over here. And it just goes on and on. And it, and it, and it represents your eternity. And then there's this little piece right here that represents our lives on earth. And almost every one of our prayers is focused on this. And say, God, God, make me healthy. God, make me successful. God, make me well. And it's not wrong that we would pray over this part of the rope. But what does God see you as? God sees you as this eternal soul that he created. And he said, yes, you're going to spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, hopefully not 100 years on earth. <laughs> and you're going you're to have this chunk of time 
and you're gonna get so worked up about it, and you're gonna, every day you're gonna wake up and be so focused on this chunk of time. But you know where I want you to take your focus? You actually, this is just a little bit of your life. And, and your life is gonna go way on here and way on here, far as the east is from the west, infinity. That's who I've created you to be, and that's who God created us to be. Would you trade present contentment for eternal elation? God understands that you probably would, so he acts on behalf of us sometimes. And he allows us a struggle in the midst of that little black piece of tape. Because sometimes the pain that we're given is a gift that God has given us to remind us of how much we need him. To remind us that we were not designed to thrive on our own in this place, but we were designed to thrive with him. Do you you remember Jacob in the Bible? And Jacob wrestled with God, and what was the gift that God gave him? Remember? A limp the rest of his life. (laughs) The rest of his life, he walked with a cane and a limp. And it was a reminder of his struggle with God. Do you know what, do you know what Paul wrote? Paul wrote that I had a thorn that was put in my side so that my pride would be kept in check. God's gift to Jacob and God's gift to Paul was a struggle so that they would remind themselves of who they were designed to be in Christ. Is it possible that you have been praying for God to take some of the things that he actually gifted to you as a reminder because your perspective is this is a six and God's perspective is it's actually a nine and you just don't understand it. So many of our prayers are about control. And as the band starts to to play this morning the song about being still, I want to give you three real quick expectations for prayer. This this entire month, we're going to focus on prayer. And the reminder about the things that we have is is to remember about the kind of God that we're putting our trust into. God is inherently good. Here's the expectation you should have. Every time you pray, just remind yourself that God is inherently good. Bad stuff in life does not equate to a bad God. We have a loving God who walks us through a life. Life will hurt you. Life will hurt me. Scripture says that what he calls it is is he's the shepherd. He leads in front. And he gives guidance and care all the way back through the flock. John 10 and 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me, and I know my sheep. Parents, isn't this what you do for for your kids? Just because you love your kid, does that mean you would prevent every bad thing from coming their way? Would Would you make sure that no struggle would ever come their way? Sometimes the very thing that your child needs is a struggle so that they would remember they're not designed to do it on their own. So that they would know that, hey, I have to put some effort and thought and, and energy into this. They, they, need to be, they need to have some refinement brought into, into, their, into their lives. Don't you love your kids enough that you would allow them to take a bad job so that they would learn it? You would, you would, you would give guidance and you would, give, you would be the shepherd, but you would say, you know, this is your call. Don't you love your kid enough to go, I see what's happening with this relationship, And here's the guidance, but it's your call. I can't force you to do that. That's how much you love your kids, right? Love is not controlling. Love isn't dominating. Love walks with another person in whatever circumstance that person walks into. And we serve a good God that loves us that much, 
that allows us the same freedom. That even if we choose hurt, he will walk through us with that. We serve a good God. And a bad world is not a representative of a good God. A bad world is not a representative of a bad God. A bad world with a God that walks through us is a reminder that we have a God that is inherently good. All too often, we come back to that prayer that says, God, you absolutely need to keep me safe. You need to prevent any hurt from coming. God, change this person's heart. God, change the world so that the world would work the way that I think it does. And shouldn't we just trust that, God, would you bring your kingdom into this place? God, would you bring your provision into their life? Do do you trust when you pray that God is good and God knows what that person's need? needs or do you do you say god let me tell you what this person needs i'd encourage you to start to pray prayers that say lord you're good and i believe that you will bring good no matter what that looks like which is the second thought that that god only wants good for you jeremiah 29 and 11 says for i know the plans that i have for you declares the lord they are plans to prosper you and not harm you to give you a future and a hope and if god wants to bring me through a harder situation to help prosper me, if God wants to bring me through something that that carries with me my entire life, but it's going to give me this great hope for my future, then I'm okay to go through that because my God is inherently good and God wants good for me. And our last thought, the last expectation we need to create is that God hears the prayer of every sincere heart. God hears prayers of sincerity. And there's a deeper, again, theological issue here of so does God not hear every prayer? And we can actually see that there, there, there are prayers that God may not hear scripturally. But if your heart is submitted, it has nothing to do with the words you use. It has nothing to do with the time that you pray. It has nothing to do with, with who you are and the sin that's in your life. It has to do with the attitude of our heart. Psalm 34 and 17 says this, The righteous cries out, and the Lord hears them. What makes you righteous? Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's a life and a heart that is submitted to Jesus that makes us righteous. And when the righteous cry out with a submitted heart, submitted mind, submitted spirit, speaking on behalf of Jesus because his spirit speaks through us, he hears our prayers. He answers them. And he's a good God that wants to bring us good. Remember the prayers of, or the, I'm going to call it prayer. The conversations that when Jesus was on the cross and there were two thieves beside him, they were speaking to Jesus. So that's prayer. And the one of them turns and says, if you're God, get yourself off that cross and me too. (laughs) And he says, I want to control this situation. God, if you're really good, you'll make life good for me and good for you. So get off the cross. Jesus didn't hear that prayer, did he? spoken directly to him a prayer of dominant controlling not submitted heart and on the other side we have this thief that goes watch your mouth (laughs) you and i deserve to be here we're sinners he's done nothing wrong he's the savior lord would you have mercy on my soul and what's jesus response to that prayer do you remember his response today you're with me in paradise he goes he he Nothing to do with how he prayed or, or even how... He was a broken guy. But he prayed a sincere prayer, a prayer that God would hear that says, Lord, save souls. Lord, save a life. 
not, Lord, save me from death. He didn't even pray, Lord, save me from death. He said, I'm going to die today. I'm going to go through this horrible thing, but I want my soul to be saved. That's the prayer God heard. A prayer about his kingdom coming to earth and taking over the heart of somebody else. What is the battle that you've been trying to fight and trying to pray into existence? Here's the reflection question for today. Is there, is there something that you've been struggling with and you've been just saying, I'm praying this and God, I'm praying that you would, I'm, God, you have to do this. And are you praying God's goodness into the situation and God's kingdom into the situation or are you praying your perspective into the situation? I want to challenge you to pray God's goodness, God's kingdom into that situation. As Colin said, this song we're going to sing, Be Still. So David's on the run. <laughs> the people are chasing him down. There's battle going on all around him. There's, there's chaos in his life. Everything's happening. And, what is he, and, he's, and then he writes this psalm that talks about all the war going on around him. And then he says, and I will be still and I'll know that God's in control. He's saying, I'm not going to fight this one anymore. I'm just going to trust that the chaos that I see going around me, as I, as I stand as God's servant, I will see God's kingdom brought into this place. So I'm going to ask you to stand where you are this morning. And our response is going to be, Lord, and, and, and there's, this, there's this, this phrase, be still, and there, there's a line in the song, and I don't know, Michael, can you, can you find the line in the song that says, don't strive? The best understanding, the best interpretation of that line, uh, be still, is cease striving. Stop working. Stop taking control and just offer it to God and say, God, I need your kingdom in this situation. So let's all just think of a situation where we need God's kingdom in our lives right now, where we, need, where we, we have a perspective of what we would do and how we would control it. And with open arms, just release it to God. Say, God, this is not yours anymore. God, I, I am not trying to pray my will into this. I'm going to pray your kingdom. God, I pray that your kingdom will come. I, will, I won't strive. I won't fight. I won't control. God, I'm going to give it to you, and I will be still and watch the goodness of God play out in this world, whatever that looks like. And I will have trust because you're a good God who wants good for me. And as our band leads us, continue that attitude of prayer and make the song your declaration that I won't strive, but I will trust that God's in control.